2: Yes, we do. And welcome to Fast Money, everybody. And we are following two major breaking stories for you at this 5 p.m. Eastern hour. First, another major sell-off hitting Wall Street. The Dow now down nearly 2,000 points over the past two sessions. And next, a bombshell from Disney. Longtime CEO Bob Iger is out. Iger and his replacement, a gentleman named Bob Chapek will join CNBC in a first on CNBC interview in just a matter of minutes live. That is a big interview, and we have a big show coming your way tonight. Your traders on the desk tonight are Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. And we're also joined all hour by Gina Sanchez, CEO of Chantico Global. Gina, welcome. Good to see you. All right, let's get right now to it. And we start with a sell-off, another rapid reversal in the markets today. Earlier this session, stocks... We're actually higher. Hard to believe, but true. The the Dow is back up above 28,149, but only for a cup of coffee. Before more headlines began crossing and then more selling programs hit and the market turned south. The CDC saying the U.S. has done a pretty good job so far with rapid response and coronavirus cases are still very low. But it also warned that the virus could hit us as well, and that will likely take down economic growth and earnings projections. So, Guy, the 2,000-point, nearly 2,000-point haircut in 48 hours of trading, is there any place to hide, any way to protect our viewers' and listeners' portfolios today?
3: Uh, Well, I I think we've done a decent job of of leading people down that that path, and it comes in the form of bonds, as we've talked about now, for months And the gold market as well. Now you could say, well, the gold market sold off today. And yes, that's the case. We can get into that later. But I still think both work. In terms of, though, what you do now, you have to be looking for levels where this stops. And we've been talking about one specific level in this S&P 500. 3030 3030 which is now just 100 or so S&P points from here and that's not unrealistic to think we could see it over the next week or so I mean given what we've seen over the last couple of days you could see it in 24 hours I think that's a reasonable level of a retracement I think that gets us down about 11 12% from the all-time high it makes sense for a lot of reasons then you try to figure out your individual stocks accordingly if you want one other line in the sand and we've talked about this I know Dan's been all over this the Russell Never made a new high while the S and P was making a new high. The IY, the, excuse me, the IYM, the Russell Small Cap Index
2: 150 is your line in the sand there. Tim, any reason to believe that the selling is over?
4: Uh. No, there's no reason to believe, it because if you think about what spurred on this next round, it's a combination of understanding, you know, where Korea, which is really at the center of the global supply chain, uh, certainly as we get into semiconductors and some of the things that have been, you know, most aggressively hit. But also, uh, the fact is that the disease is spreading, and the disease, disease is ultimately uh, affecting consumer confidence. We talk often about, really, the consumer having been the savior for this economy. And, and let's be clear, um, this is a market that was, you know, uh, absolutely... Uh, you know, unperturbed by the move in in the disease and where we had gone in the three weeks while bond yields were probing lows. And I know uh, if you look at the Treasury market, which we got to 132 on the 10-year, again, record lows, took out those lows from 2013, which was really the last time we were around here. Um... That tells you, and that told you, though, even before the equity markets responded. So um, I don't want to be sensational here. And, in fact, I I, I think markets are, uh, on a short term, very, very oversold. Having said that, um, what's driving sentiment right now is something that is impossible to understand. And why should that change overnight?
2: On our special last night, Dan, you and Josh did a great job, and you said something which proved accurate. And you, you guys said, both of you agreed, that if the market tried to rally this morning and rolled over as it did yeah that would be a bad situation for equity.
5: Well, I guess the situation was that there was no scenario, there was no tweet, there was no nothing that was going to come out that was really going to change sentiment overnight. And so I just think what's really interesting about the CDC coming out and the leg down that the market took and closing really near the lows here just tells you that if people are dissatisfied with the way China, authoritarian government, has handled this disease, how do you think it's going to be in, in, a, in a block of nations that have free movement in Europe? How do you think it's going to be here in this country with a bunch of citizens who have a lot of guns and stuff like i mean it 's just not going to go particularly well i 'm just saying so that 's really what the panic was today, and I guess what I would say is is that i don 't think there 's really any cause for alarm for the same reason at least as it relates yeah. to the stock market. We went up what six seven 8% over the last two months for really no good reason, and the fact that we've given back 6 or 7% in a straight line, you know, makes some sense. Guy's level of 30-30 is also the breakout level in the S&P from late October that it basically went up 12% in a straight line. So to me, that's a level, I think, where you start buying the dip or thinking about those names that you've been wanting to what get level? into. 30-30 in the S&P 500 the intersection of the late October breakout, and it's basically the 200-day moving average, and if we don't know what the heck is going on here A lot of traders, a lot of investors will lean on uh, technicals.
2: You know, there is a point of view, Gina, where you hear it on the social media. People say, why are you making such a big deal about this? Luckily, the fatality rate's low. we got 14 cases in the United States. It's not that widespread in Europe. Here's why, and tell me if this is wrong. China is, let's call it, one-fourth of the global economy. Europe, one-fourth of the global economy. We're a fourth, and the rest of the world makes up the rest. If we start to see a slowdown in Europe, And China, as we've already had. Mm -hmm. We have to take down earnings estimates, multiples, earnings yield everything
6: everything has to come down I agree with you and I'm not sure that just going back to october is going to cover that kind of a scenario and I think what we're still grappling with is are we dealing with a local asian outbreak or are we dealing with a global pandemic those are two very different things and those granted even in the global pandemic scenario you're still dealing with something that's probably a quarter to a half a year long in terms of pain and then you tend to get a recovery from there but we don't know what we're dealing with yet and we're still trying to figure that out and the big stress test is what happens and how does the U.S. handle it? Because if the U.S. cannot handle containment of this virus, then no one well, can.
2: Well, so look at the, hold on, guy. I want Tim to jump in. But look at, keep those stock charts up here of the S&B laggards. I think that tells a story. Look at the names on this list. If you're on the radio, here they are. American Airlines, Occidental, Southwest Air, Live Nation, and Marriott. Here's why I find this list interesting. And the stocks all got whacked 8 and 9 percent. Mm-hmm. Tim, Live Nation is a concert promoter. Right They're they're pretty much they're global, but they get people together. Southwest Airlines basically has no international presence, a little bit. Whatever. Puerto Rico. That's it. This is the market saying people are going to be nervous about congregating in groups and doing things where they might spend money.
4: Right. So so we haven't, we've never contemplated this this dynamic in this country. We, at least, not not in my lifetime. Um, and as has been pointed out here, we, we have a case here where this is typically a contained geographic event. So uh, consumer confidence has been critical to this market. Uh, the other side of this, though, is is when the Fed starts to say, and there's been quotes over the last couple of days, you know, essentially we're, we're, we're ready to respond or we're watching. And you know, what can the Fed do at this point? And, and it gets to a something that we often talk about on the show for for a long time to me the feds comments here sound a lot like the boj who who's been you know basically flailing in the wind for for many years here so you're right brian Thank to you, point man. out the the, the domestic uh, element of of that sell-off um i think airlines uh the multinational ones i think the entire airline space is being sold for that reason
2: yeah. all right guys we got to move on we're going to get back to this macro discussion but We've got to turn right now to the other big breaking story of the evening. In a rather shocked move, Bob Iger will step down as CEO of Disney, but effective immediately. Investors have reason to be surprised. Iger had recently signed an extension to his contract. Now, he will remain as executive chairman through next year. The former head of Disney Parks, Bob Chapek, will take the CEO job. Julia Borston will be speaking with Bob Iger and Bob Chapek in a few minutes live right here on Fast Money. Gina, I'll come to you. You live, in, you live in the shadow of the house. You live in L.A.? Mm-hmm. I think right near Disney, or at least near the executive offices of this company, what's your take on this move it came out of nowhere
6: I think it came out of nowhere and I think a lot of people obviously in the stock is reflecting that and and I if you look at sort of what Disney Disney has so many great chips on the table obviously coronavirus is hitting them really hard particularly in their parks they've got Shanghai and Hong Kong both shut down right at the, the they were just about to revive Mulan which would have been uh, an enormous they're having to push that back so they're sort of getting hit right and left so it's interesting um, that Iger steps down right now at this moment now heading handing this off to the head of parks makes the sense this parks have really driven revenue and they've also shown that they are completely um, inelastic in terms of demand they keep raising the price and they can't get the numbers down people still continue to come and pay and that's huge as well
2: well the fear is they're going to get less fewer international visitors absolutely but they may make that up with more domestic visitors who are now deciding maybe not to go somewhere to mexico or to hawaii We're going to stay home. We're going to drive to Disney.
6: Yes, absolutely. You
2: think that plays out? Is that a scenario?
6: Well, I mean, I, I think that, that, that Disney still suffers. It, you know, Disney is probably one of the best places to go catch the flu, for example, just because of so many children. Um, but, but Disney also has other huge forms of revenue. Disney Plus is on fire, right? If you look at the numbers, that's basically saying, hey, we're here, we're real, and our content packs a punch, and people want our content.
3: Yeah, I'm not looking to go to Disney on the best of days, respectfully, unless, again, I can get on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which is, again, my favorite, <laughs> followed by the Hall of Presidents. Outstanding. Throw in a Country Bear Jamboree, that's your day. With that said, you've got to try to figure out where to buy it. And if you go back and look, last April, we exploded off of the 120 level, which had been resistance for a long time. That's where I think you re own the stock and where I think right now probably four or five dollars away. But,
4: you know, yeah. the things that we're talking about as far as as far as the coronavirus and Disney and, and to, to not try to be insensitive to what's going on. I, th- those to me are things I'm fine with on Disney. Those those to yeah. me are, are something where even on an disruption, even on revenues for the next two quarters, um, that's something that they won't get back. Mm. But it's it's the core of those four essentially parts of the Disney stool that are holding up. That includes studios, it, consumes, yes. it includes consumer products. It does include the broadcast and it certainly includes the, the other parts of, of the Disney Plus story. So uh, to me, the Bob Iger news is critical right now. This was the man who certainly had driven a lot of value, certainly was part of the reason why the multiple at Disney far exceeded that. And yes, this business model, but the rest of the media sector has not even been close here. So so that's a, this is a critical dynamic here, even though Disney Studio in the last 12 months has arguably never had a 12-month period. And I bet we had said that multiple times over the last couple of years. We see what they're doing in streaming. We see their ability to actually use all parts of their flywheel to support their consumer yeah. products and every
2: And it's a great point. And the movies, I think they had $7 billion movies last year with the Marvel franchise, but the reality is this. You could sign up all the Disney Plus customers you want at five ninety nine a month that would take years to replicate the margins of a family of four or five going to disneyland where the tickets are what a buck fifty you're gonna spend two hundred dollars for two each or three person?
5: quarters though i mean oh, i don't yeah, know but, but the, in the way that they reorganize these businesses they're thinking about these brands and they're streamlining them a bit and you know and obviously the new ceo comes from the the old parks division um, i'll just say this you know the, this guy's going to be reporting to Bob Iger for the next 18 months or so. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, Bob Iger is still the CEO for all oh, intents and purposes. That's but what I think changed. it's really important to remember, he's, Iger's been there for 15 years. What did Iger do? He bought... Pixar, he bought Lucas, he bought Marvel. These is this is the path forward now. Obviously, they bought Fox, they executed on the Disney Plus. Let's see what some new blood can do. And I think guy's right. I mean, you get this thing back down twenty percent. That would be peak to trough down to that one twenty level, and all of a sudden you have a thing trading at a market multiple I'd below see. twenty times yeah. or so. And then attractive. you say to yourself, let's see what the next decade yes. looks like. And
6: I'm gonna go back to the point that I made earlier, which is that even in the global pandemic scenario, this only lasts one to two quarters at most. This pain definitely is recouped. So a good value stock like Disney could actually be, represent incredible value. Well, I'm
2: looking at a chart here with a 50 and 200A, Dan, very quickly. I mean, you could, it just busted through the 50 yeah. day moving average. It tried to hold for about a cup of coffee and dropped through. There's nothing But, you're, but you're, just real nothing quickly, underneath Sully, it. I could, tell, the I could whole show market did you that.
5: everything has broken the uptrend. I mean, we literally had a 45 degree angle. In the best names out there, they've all broken below them. So that is the first level that's been breached. And now you got to start thinking about other levels of support. That 120 should be fundamental support for this stock. I can't tell you what's going to happen in a big market downdraft, but that should be a fundamental level.
4: And just to, just to be clear on the impact of parks, and I'm, I'm looking at a Deutsche Bank report. This is their research. It says this, this is this is essentially an eight percent hit to, to EPS if you base it upon uh, what they've done in terms of closing these parks and the impact in the here and now, at least that we're measuring right now. This this is this should not be changing your view on Disney. Think about where we all were, and I still remain there, and I think a lot of people were with Disney just two months ago, especially after we'd now had two to report Disney+, Plus, and we got to see what the studio was doing. We got to see what CPG and direct-to-consumer... Anyway, I think you have to take a deep breath on this, and I think this is one of those stocks where you take a moment like this, and you don't have to buy it tomorrow, because there's a lot of stuff we mm. still need to learn about a management change, but this is one of the great companies, and this well, is a an valuation... By, that... by the
2: way, 8% hit EPS. The market may be rational. As of right now, the stock is down 7.5% this month, so we'll see if it holds. The market says we're going to take it down 8%, and that's where we're going to hold it. By the way, a lot of questions. We're going to get some answers... Because the Bobs, Bob Iger and the new CEO Bob Chapek will be giving their first TV interview since that announcement to CNBC. That is with Julia Borston. It's a big one live, a right around, hopefully right around 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, obviously. A lot of questions. Julia will get answers. Dow finished down 8.79. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. If you are just joining CNBC, Bob Iger stepping down as the longtime Disney CEO, but effective immediately much earlier than most of Wall Street and investors had planned. Bob Chapek, who formerly ran the Parks division, will now run the entire company. Iger will stay on as executive chair, and they will both join us for our first on CNBC interview with Julia Borston coming up in a few minutes. That is a big company, one of the biggest media companies in the world, Dow Component. The company matters. Stock, by the way, like everything else, fell today. All right, well, as we await that interview, let's turn back now, of course, to the macro markets, because tech, like everything else, falling hard in today's sell-off. Just last Wednesday, the tech sector was hitting new all-time highs. Today, it slipped into a correction. What does that mean? Well, it means the sector more than 10% below its recent highs. The fall, of course, fast and furious. The XLK ETF falling more than 3% again today. The high-flying MAGA stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, shedding a combined half a trillion in market cap in the last four trading sessions. Dan, question is this, is this the start of more selling or is there any way to sort of suss out whether this is sort of been washed out
5: well I I just say this that let's use Microsoft for a separate uh, you know late January when we really first started getting some downward volatility about this virus Microsoft traded I think 160 or something like that and uh, three weeks later it's you know up literally 20%. You would have thought that they cured or came up with a vaccine for it. So it's taking out that whole parabolic move over the last couple of weeks. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. So could you see the stock back at 160? Has Apple finally kind of gotten hit a little bit because of that two-pronged kind of attack, the the, the uh, supply issues and uh, the demand potentially in China? So, you know, you got to take some of this stuff out. you got to remember these stocks have come a long way over the last 12 months or so, and uh, valuations got a bit stretched. So to me, you'd almost like to see them overshoot a little bit to the downside, as they clearly did over the last month to the upside.
6: I think they got more than a bit stretched. I mean, a lot of these valuations were really pricing and it it would have taken you years and years and years to get your money back, uh, making investments and you have to price in huge growth. Right. And so if you look right now, if you look at the impacts, the impacts are twofold. As you mentioned, the first is obviously the supply chain, to the degree to which they're waiting for parts that are coming from either factories in China, now Korea, um, even spreading to other parts of Southeast Asia. Asia, that's a big deal um, and then of course you have the 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 other prong which is the consumption problem nobody is going out right now everybody in Wuhan is in home literally in their homes um, and so when you have that kind of shutdown in terms of consumption yeah that's gonna hit you both ways and I agree with you I don't think we've seen nearly the kind of correction we would need to see in order to justify the pain that these companies could take even in a short period of time it's like everybody in the investment world is just looking straight past it, this.
4: but but it, and so that's totally rational um, except for the fact that I I think the markets um, didn't pay attention to trade war. The markets didn't pay attention, essentially, to even some seasonal and also some cyclical factors for for memory chips and, and when there's restocking. And so the point is that semis didn't react ever. Um, in the last year and a half. In fact, it went to all-time highs. And this is what I think everybody's here saying. I know, Gina, you're saying this. This is a case where, um, I think, though, this is a catalyst that allows people to really reassess where semis actually were. Um, And and this pullback's been strong and swift and a couple up downgrades, excuse me, to NVIDIA and Micron that we read today. These were minor downgrades. They were not not structural downgrades. They were literally people looking at what Q1's going to be and analysts trying to get out there because analysts like CEOs want to do this
2: but uh, guy i want to go i want to go back to fang and mager whatever these stocks are the big tech because these are not like other stocks why not according to etf database microsoft is in 379 etfs it's bigger than 10 percent of something like 14 of them that's just microsoft these stocks we've talked about their importance to the market from a weighting, from a market cap perspective if you're a market cap weighted index or etf These they're not the same. One of these things
3: is not like the other. So you better hope this passive investing trend that's been all the rage for the last couple of years continues because, God forbid, it stops and it's going to be you think this is bad. That will be this will that will make this look like a garden variety sell off. With that said, you know, I'm not suggesting it's going to happen. I will say this: it did Dan is spot number December,
2: December 2018. We saw a 15 percent drop in a couple of weeks. All right, so, put, so
3: look at what we did. I mean, we traded at a 48 billion dollar valuation, lost 85 percent of its value in a month and a half. If that were a publicly traded company, we talk about it every day. Stocks can go down, and they go down faster than they go up. However, that 160 level that Dan just flagged in Microsoft—that's right. I'm not saying it's going to stop there. That's as good a level as any. And we're not saying this in a vacuum because on February 11th, we sat here and said, "Hey, guess what?" Microsoft Microsoft just made an all-time high, reverse lower on two times normal volume. That, to me, is a top.
4: Uh, You know, to me, if we think about what the market's doing here, everything you guys are talking about is actually something that uh, we're speculating that the world is going to change dramatically for the consumer and for the economy. Those other moments, if anything, December of 2018, that was when we were worried about a Fed being way off sides. People were starting to get into 2019, worried about recession. Is that what we're worried about right now? We're worried about the coronavirus being a disruption for one or two quarters and downgrades to GDP. Or is the market finally catching up to the fact that the economy was not on solid footing before?
2: Well, let's be clear. Microsoft and Google in particular, it's not like they're booming businesses in China. The majority of office installations in China, Microsoft Office, are pirated. That's according to Microsoft data. Google's not really in China at all. This is not a
5: consumer play. Google is in China with Android. I mean, you know, listen, every... Which they they don't charge for. Well, it's an important part of their market share. They have 85% global smartphone market share. It's an important market.
2: All right, I'm just saying, you wonder what the consumer impact is on Microsoft. Not exactly, we're not going to Microsoft World. Thank you. Maybe we are. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're back with an interview with Bob Iger and Bob Chapek. A big one, next. Canva presents Unexplained Appearances. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. If you are just joining us, big news from one of the world's biggest media companies, Disney's Bob Iger stepping down as CEO effective immediately. Bob Chapek, who ran Parks, will now run the entire company, although Iger stays on as executive chairman. And they will both join us for a first-on interview with Julia Borston In a couple of moments, we are waiting literally for them to take the chairs while we do. As soon as they sit down, guys, and Julia is ready, We're going to go to that live, but for now, let's talk more about this big market meltdown continuing today. Most people can't just sit home and watch a ticker all day. So if you missed it, here's a recap of the key things that you need to know. The Dow fell 879 points. It's now lost nearly 2,000 points in just two days. The 10-year yield crumbling to 1.34%. That is its lowest level ever, literally going back more than a century. The so-called fear gauge, the VIX, moving higher. And perhaps the most shocking stats of all, only six S&P 500 companies are higher this week. Three of them are coronavirus-related, companies looking for a solution and, of course, Clorox, for obvious reasons. More than 100 stocks are down more than 5% in the S&P 500. But if you believe that we have now come too far, too fast to the downside, we have got a way to play a bounce, if it happens, using Options. Mike Cohen, San Francisco, with your Options action.
1: Yeah, so, you know, yesterday we were talking about ways you could protect your portfolio by buying puts or put spreads. Uh, Today we're going to be taking a look at some ways that you might look for opportunities in stocks that you think might be oversold or might represent some value. I would point out that in situations like this where much remains unknown, you don't want to run out and catch a falling knife. So we're not advocating necessarily going out and either buying stocks with whatever excess cash you have or using any leverage to do so. The other thing I would point out, though, is that in some ways the decline has been fairly orderly, fairly steady, not huge gaps down, but fairly orderly decline. The one other point I would make is try to avoid double exposure. So if you're going to look to do things like sell puts because premiums are elevated, don't do so in companies that might be exposed to a great deal of risk. Examples of that would be travel, airlines, and energy stocks. So I was taking a look at Microsoft, some ways that we could take advantage of the fact that volatility is a little bit higher. One of the ways that you could do this if you already own the stock and are thinking that you want to have more exposure to the upside but don't want more exposure to the downside is using a one by 2 call spread. Specifically, I was looking at April, the 175-185 1x2 call spread. In this trade, you would buy the 175 calls. Those were trading for a little over $5 and then sell two of the 185s for about $2.15. Net-net, you're spending about $0.95, cents, so a relatively small percentage of the current stock price to make that bet. Really, all you're doing is trading off the upside above 195 and you get incremental exposure up above 175. That makes a lot of sense because the all time high in Microsoft is 190. Hard to see how we're going to get there in less than two months. Another thing you could do if you don't already own the stock. It's something called a call spread risk reversal. In this situation, I was looking at selling the 155 puts and buying the 175 calls and selling the 185 calls. You can do that for even money. Now, here's the situation. You're going to get exposure to Microsoft from 175 to 185 on the upside, but you're not going to be forced to own it unless it falls down to 155, and that represents a better than 20% decline from the peaks that we saw not that long ago. So it's a way where you can get exposure to the upside without going out, and buying the stock right here. And you're taking advantage of the fact that premiums are elevated. In some of those higher risk areas, though, the higher premiums are deserved. You might just want to buy calls if you're looking to make bullish bets there.
5: All right, Mike Co in San Francisco. Mike, thank you very much, Dan. Your take on that strategy? Yeah, so we offered two different ways to do it. I mean, the put sale one is one. In, in a market like this, it can be very complicated for people. The notion that they're selling a downside put um, and maybe having the stock whoosh through that price, if you had a big downdraft, really, it's not too different than owning the stock and having that downdraft. And on the flip side, I think that Mike's one by two call spread, you know, to add leverage and yield to an existing position, especially in a name like Microsoft, where implied volatility, the price of options, is so elevated makes a lot of sense but again fast markets doing a lot of legs it's kind of complicated for most people um i just think in general look to kind of take in some expensive premium that could be as easy as overriding a stock you own 100 shares of stock you sell one out of the money call and you have a band in which you're going to take some yield in if the stock is below that short call strike
2: do you think that's too complicated well it's, a, it's an advanced it just strategy, depends. i mean right? listen
5: there's, there's a whole show friday at 5:30. It's called options, options action. Tremendous actions, show, Mike. But, but can I, can I, because
4: of... Dan, Dan, and what these guys do in options action, they actually, they make it very uh, understandable. But I, but I will just say simply, um, if you have puts on, you have two days of vol like we have. You know, the, what, what I typically do is I tend to roll those puts out. Yeah. Um, these are these are moments you've waited for when you had that protection, especially when you bought cues five percent out of the money and whatnot. Um, so to to try to hold it for another vol spike up to forty, um, look, history says we don't get that. History says. 2%. Two days in a row of 95% down days are extraordinary by any measure. And that's an opportunity, as someone that holds puts, to, to roll these out, to okay. take take some profits and move these down the line.
2: Good stuff here, Dan. Thank you. Mike, co out there. Thank you as well. Again, we're going to take a very short break. We're going to come back with a first on CNBC interview with Bob Iger and the new CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek. Stick around. All right, welcome back. If you are just joining us, a big bombshell from Disney tonight. Longtime CEO Bob Iger stepping down effective immediately. He will be replaced by Bob Chapek. Both men are sitting down right now with Julia Borston in Los Angeles in a first on CNBC interview. Julia, take it away.
0: Thanks so much. I am joined now by Bob Iger, as of today, executive chairman of Disney, overseeing all creative endeavors at the company. And also Bob Chapek, as of just now, the new CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, So first to Bob Iger. You, back in 2017, when you announced the Fox acquisition, extended your contract as CEO through the end of 2021. Why make this change now, more than a year and a half before your contract is up?
8: Well, the company has a great collection of assets, businesses, brands, franchises, particularly with the acquisition of 21st Century Fox and the uh, purchase of the larger share of, of Hulu. Uh, And we also have recently deployed a very new and extremely important strategy, the direct-to-consumer strategy that led to the uh, ESPN Plus product being launched and then, of course, Disney Plus, which launched in November. So as we looked at the businesses, we felt we have a great set of assets, we have a great strategy. What's next? And what was next in terms of my own priorities is making sure that the creative pipeline of the company was really rich, that all of our creative engines were Uh, working extremely well, and I wanted to spend more and more of my time on that. But the only way that I was able to do that was to give up the day-to-day running of the company to pass the torch on to Bob so that my direct reports and the authority over our businesses will shift to him, freeing me up to do what I think is our next big priority.
0: Now, for investors, this seems abrupt. The stock is trading down in after hours. I interviewed you just a couple of weeks ago after your quarterly earnings report. How long has this been in the works, and for how long have you identified uh, Bob Chapek as your successor?
8: Well, we've had a succession process that's been ongoing uh, with the board for actually a few years. Uh, It's something that we talk about virtually at every meeting, Uh, and we identified Bob a while ago as a a likely candidate to succeed me, but they went through a thorough process and uh, discussed other possibilities. So it's, again, something that um, you know the board has been engaged in for quite a while. They got to know Bob very well during that period of time. He ran one of our most complex, one of our most important businesses, Global Parks and Resorts, for instance, during a time of great capital investment and a time of great change, and did so very well after working for the company for 30 years in terms of the market today you know what's going on obviously today is something that is you know very serious and certainly a concern to us uh, but the timing is you know unfortunate but that's not anything that we could control and um, it certainly didn't play into The timing of this decision
0: and you um are signed on to continue through the end of 2021 overseeing all the creative elements of the company but at the same time bob chapek is going to be running the day-to-day business for you as executive chairman and you as ceo will that create confusion about who's in charge, if you're going to be reporting to Bob Iger, um, how do you address those concerns and potential conflict while you're uh, still executive
8: chairman? Well, we've worked together extremely well. Actually, our senior management team has worked together quite well. We know each other well. We we get together often. We share a number of the issues of, of our days in terms of running the businesses, so there's a lot of familiarity, a lot of collegiality. Um, in terms of you know, confusion, we're not really concerned about that. Bob is going to be running the company and and running the day-to-day businesses. As I said earlier, uh, all of my direct reports shift to him. I have one direct report, and and that's Bob. I uh, will be focusing on the creative, but any of the big creative decisions that have to be made, I fully intend for Bob to be at my side. It's important for him to learn as much as possible. You know what this is about, really, is. You know, we believe a really good succession process and a really smart transition process. The goal here during the period of time that I will be executive chairman is to create a, a transition process that is smooth and, and functioning and effective and we're not concerned at all about creating any confusion.
0: Now, for you, Bob Chapek, congratulations on this new role. Um, Your predecessor, Bob Iger, made a number of massive changes that really transformed the Disney company, the acquisition of Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, the launch of the direct-to-consumer business. What do you see as your mission going forward? Do you imagine transforming the company as much as, as he has?
10: Well, I obviously have huge shoes to fill. I mean, Bob's legacy in the company is just profound. Uh, I think my role is now to take the strategic pillars that he's so well established over the last 15 years and continue to work on those and implement those in the marketplace. Most importantly, our direct-to-consumer initiatives, but at the same time, look around the corner for what disruption might be going on in the marketplace that would necessitate a fresh look at those things. But right now, the the course that Bob has laid is one that we fully intend to follow, and I think we will pay dividends for our shareholders for years to come.
0: What does it mean for you as the new CEO to have Iger um, as the executive chairman for more than a year and a half?
10: Well, it's it's certainly a privilege to have Bob, you know, still available and there for guidance. Uh, I've had a front row seat to Bob Iger's magic at Walt Disney now for 15 years. And to be able to extend that for the next year and a half or so while I make the transition into this new role is just a luxury that, frankly, I I couldn't ask for more.
0: Do you feel like your mission and and your purpose as CEO is to continue on the path that Iger has started, or do you envision more need for change or potential acquisitions or sort of shifts down the line?
10: I suspect in the beginning it will be more of the same because essentially the strategies that Bob's put in place are really you know, long-lasting in terms of where the company's going to go in the short term. Over time, though, as we all both recognize, disruption and transformation are just inevitable in this business, and it hits each one of our businesses a little bit differently, but it's inevitable that those businesses will be disrupted, and it's recognizing at that time when we'll need to shift, and that's, I think, the art of the job.
0: You are taking on this job at a moment of incredible change, not just in the streaming business. We're about to see the launch of several new streaming services, but also in the parks division. You, until today, ran the parks and consumer products division. Two of Disney's parks are closed right now, Hong Kong and Shanghai. I know you oversaw the launch of the Shanghai Park. There's no sign of when these parks will open. Are you concerned about the long-term impacts of coronavirus, not just on those parks, but potentially also on the cruise business, which you've run?
10: The long-term health of our business is really a function of our consumer demand for unbelievable storytelling and our product. And while this is certainly a bump in the road uh, in terms of the coronavirus, uh, we'll come through this like we've come through every other challenge that we've had. And that affinity for the brand and our storytelling will way outlast any type of short term blip that we have from Corona.
0: Um, Bob mentioned the stock market's decline over the past two days. It's been a very volatile time in in the markets um and there's always a question sort of how the consumer will react will there be an economic downturn or a correction that could impact consumer spending it could impact advertising what's your outlook as you take the helm of this you know international major multi-platform media industry about the potential risks to all of those different factors
10: we're always very conscious of disruptive elements socio uh, socioeconomic elements social elements that could come in at any time and disrupt our business but i think when you have the core assets that we've got those franchises the disney brand Once again, we'll sort of uh, see our way through all those disruptive elements. Doesn't mean that uh, we won't get surprised tomorrow, but uh, we've got the strength to get through them all.
0: Now, you've worked in many different parts of the Disney business, most recently parks and consumer products, also the studio um, distribution of home entertainment, but you've not worked in the... TV bundle business, the part of the business that is suffering from the cord cutting trends, um, which I've talked to Bob Iger about many times over the past several years. As someone who has not worked in that business, what's your outlook to the threat of cord cutting and how to handle it?
10: Well, to me, the the, the commonality between uh, our businesses are as our consumer, and I've worked in consumer businesses my entire career, and it's not ironic that our strategy for the media business now is a direct-to-consumer business where we have that one-on-one relationship with our customer without necessarily having a lot of middlemen in between. That's my sweet spot, and I think that is something that I could leverage now throughout all my experiences, not only at Disney, but even before Disney, in terms of figuring out how we take the data, the information, the technology, and once again, our storytelling right direct to the consumer so that we can take all the great equities that we have and continue to build those for our shareholders.
0: Now, Bob, as you focus on the storytelling and less on the day-to-day, um, do you imagine potentially extending your time at the Walt Disney Company beyond December 2021?
8: No, I don't. No. So what I've been you... to the company 45 years <laughs> and I was in the CEO job for 15 of those years and as president and COO for five. So it's a it's, it's been a fun run. And I'm looking I'm looking forward to the run ending. But I've got I still have a job to do.
0: And what will, what will you do after 2021?
8: I'm going to use my imagination.
0: <laughs> you will use your imagination. I'm going to go to
8: Disneyland. Uh, you're
0: going to go to Disneyland, <laughs> as I'm sure you'll probably make your way there many yeah. times before then. Well, I want to thank you both so much for coming to us after the historic, this historic announcement. Bob Iger, Bob Chapek, thank you both so much for talking to us today. Pleasure Guys, you. back over to you in the studio.
2: All right, Julia Borson with Bob Chapek and Bob Iger in a first on CNBC interview. Julia, thank you very much for bringing it to Fast Money. All right. So, Tim, we listened. Anything you heard from the incoming or outgoing CEO and still executive chairman, by the way, that would change your investment opinion on Disney?
4: If you take everything at face value, this was about secession and transition, then this is uh, nothing really changes for Disney shareholders. Uh, This is certainly the best content out there, uh, arguably some of the best DTC out there, uh, or I should say at least a challenge to Netflix and certainly trading at a significantly cheaper multiple in that core DTC business. Uh, But as someone that's long the stock and someone that was hoping we didn't hear about either some uh, some shakeup at the company for a specific reason or uh, the fact that there was structurally something broken. Um, this is uh, about what we thought was going to happen. There was nothing new on news today. The timing was uncomfortable based upon the day that the markets yeah. had had and obviously this was never going to be a happy day for Disney shareholders, but but that's what I heard.
6: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I actually got took a lot of Um, comfort from both the way that they set up why this happened and also the plans going forward, meaning that there's going to be sort of a continued succession. This isn't just happening today and Bob Iger rides into the sunset to go use his image. Well, they got
2: to say that, right? I mean, you've got to have this continuity. I mean, we look at a Netflix guy, Dami or Dan, it's like, you know, the streaming wars have really just begun. Is now the time to change?
3: No, listen, I think, to your point, they, what else are they going to say? Of course, this was in the works. Uh, we're well-oiled, machine. Secession plan would we'll be there another year. It, make, it all makes sense. Just a question of where you buy the stock. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show. You have to have your line in the sand. And from me... 120 makes as much sense as everything. It'll give the stock a more reasonable valuation in terms of where it's been, and it's a level that we had trouble with on the upside for many months, many years ago. Can
4: I ask a question? So, but what has changed? And maybe you felt this way for a long, you know, since that point. Because, um, because to me, the news over the last couple weeks has not really changed for this company. Today, what we heard apparently doesn't.
2: Okay, good stuff there. Big, big news day, by the way. By the way, Salesforce, their co-CEO stepped down as well, and Mastercard yesterday. All right, coming up. More on today's big sell-off. How should you set yourself up for tomorrow's open? We don't have any futures yet. We're going to talk more about what is likely to happen and what to do about it if the sell-off continues. More Fast Money right after this. All right, welcome back, Will. If you are just joining us, the Dow selling off. Nearly 2,000 points in just the last two days. Let's take a look at some of the biggest losers in today's session. American Airlines on 9%. Occidental Petroleum, very debt-heavy company there, getting hurt. Live Nation, I guess, concerned people aren't going to want to gather for concerts. Marriott and Southwest Airlines, again, that consumer travel play. Now, there were a few, not many, but a couple of up stocks today. You got HP, Xerox, there's some talk of takeovers there, Regeneron. Corona play, Perigo, Keyside Technology, a couple of these, at like Clorox also, sort of coronavirus theme plays. Coming up, we're going to set you up for tomorrow's trading session. No futures yet. But we're going to talk about it coming up next. Stick around. All right. Welcome back. Well, again, if you're just joining us here, if you're busy today and didn't pay attention, you missed another one. All right. Stocks rock for a second straight day. Every S&B sector finished down. The question is this. How do you position yourself for tomorrow, Guy, Dom? I mean, you don't have any futures yet. We don't have any Asia yet. We will have a special tonight, by the way. We'll get those trades anyway to position yourself tonight. Well, Dan made, and I
3: watched some of the special last evening. Great job. great, Outstanding job. And they pretty much outlined what was going to happen. I think tomorrow what you're rooting for is a down open and then followed by a rally. We've seen that before. I think tomorrow's your relief rally day. You hope it opens lower. And you get a bounce in some of these
5: names that have been drubbed. Not to suggest that the market can't go low over the next couple of weeks. Tomorrow's your bounce. Today. I think you'd like to see yields kind of stabilize a little bit. I think it's been pretty unsettling over the last couple of days. We've seen 1.5 breached and then this new all-time low at one three five or one three three. I think, in the um, 10-year Treasury yield. I think that's something that kind of may help equities. Uh, what is that telling us, Dan? Well, listen, I mean, we, we've all been talking about this for months and months. I mean, to me, it's been a pretty clear sign. If you go back and look at the last time we were at these levels, 2016, 2012, there were some serious growth fears in Europe in 2012, in China in 2016. And I think that move from we started the year or ended last year at 2% on the 10-year treasury all the way down here, I think it was telling us something before this virus. But this is all coronavirus, right? So to be clear, and, well, I, I'm, I'm
4: both asking yeah. the question because we have to say if this is all coronavirus, This is a case where you're looking at a a 20 relative strength indicator on the S&P, which is about as oversold as we've been. If you look at where yields uh, had their last significant move lower, and it wasn't the summertime move, but uh, September 3 into October 3, and then, of course, the S&P went on a 16% run. Right. So you get to a place here where markets di- digest this news, had to take a breath. We were all in agreement markets needed to take a breath. Uh, just reminding of that point.
6: But that's not going to happen tomorrow. I actually don't think we know where we are yet. And, and if you look at how coronavirus works, we still don't know how big a problem this is. And it's going to take us weeks, if not months, to figure this yeah, out. We,
2: we just don't know.
5: Listen, down opening to 3030, 30, yield stabilized, then you bounce. That's the trade.
2: Down open 3030, yield stabilized, then you bounce. All right, good stuff. Numbers are going to be watching. All right, up next, what names, specifics that all these folks around the desk may be looking at during these turbulent times. That's next. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Obviously, a lot of people out there working today can't just stay tuned all day long to the markets. We got you covered. Don't worry. Tonight, 7 o'clock, another CNBC special report, Markets in Turmoil right here, of course, on CNBC, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Time now for your final trades. Go around the horn. Tim Seymour, kick it off. In difficult markets, you're trying to find best-of-breed companies
4: who are thrown around. Disney today, um, if we take that that interview by Bob Iger after the bell, at its face value is a company that was going to go through this transition. It's a company that's pulled back and looks very interesting. We liked it two months ago. We like it more here. Gina Sanchez.
6: We're selling a high yield. We're selling HYG. If you look at the markets right now, particularly the credit markets, we don't think that they're fully priced in yet, and consumers are yep. most of the HIG market.
5: Yeah. yeah, eBay, lots of news there, activists involved, um, selling off assets. This one looks interesting.
3: We learn a lot in the commercial breaks, your nickname being Jocko. We'll talk about that tomorrow, but City
2: for a Trade here, J-Man. Thank you all. Thanks for watching. Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now. We'll see you tonight for the special.